Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. I'm pretty freaking pumped because I'm back with Lindsay Borchard of Lindsay Brook Design for part two. And everybody freaking loved that episode, by the way. As I'm sure you already- I, I couldn't believe it. Like I would get people like messaging me, being like, it was so great. I can't wait to best yeah. another one. And I was I, it just felt so good that mm-hmm. you know, it's like I'm not I can't sit here and say, like, oh, my way's the right way. This is just what I'm doing and it's working. And so if it works for you, then great. I'm super happy to share what, you know, has, has worked and what has not worked. Exactly. Well, I, and that's the thing, like, cause you're so very open, right? So I think people connect with that. And not only that, like you not saying nobody else is like, you're, you're so open and you have like everything on lockdown and you're so wildly talented. So it's such a great blend of like getting advice from people that you also like respect their work. So it's such a nice, it's a nice like blend of it all. So, okay. Today we're going to talk, we're going to start here and we're going to see where it goes. But, um, I had, I, like I was saying before officially recording, um, I was talking to Riza from Ivy. So shout out to Ivy, both Lindsay and I use Ivy and Mm. love it. Um, but I was talking to her just about kind of like, it was the other earlier this week. Um, and I said, Oh, I'm actually talking to Lindsay on Friday. And we were just saying like, she was asking me how things were going. And I was like, you know, it's been a little bit of a, a slower year as far as like the new projects, uh, like bigger projects and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she was asking about renovations. And, and I said, you know, I, I'm doing my own renovation here, which I'm just like randomly sitting on a stack of like hardwood floor, but, um, and I'm doing a few, like helping a couple clients and I have a new build. And I was just like, I don't know, like if I love it. And, and I don't know if it's just like, it's still been a scary thing for me, but she said, this is kind of where you started too with it, which was a lot of furnishing. And, Mm -hmm. and she, I don't know if this is accurate information, but she said that you were a little bit hesitant about going into renovations. Is that true? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think not really, you know, it's like with furniture, if you mess something up, it's like the worst thing that happens that, you know, like right now I have a 10 foot sofa sitting in my garage because I, you know, effed up and that's the worst thing that can happen. Right. In my garage. (laughs) It's like, that's like a whole other beast. And it, yeah, it scared me because I was like, what if I mess up? And then that's, you know, on me. And I'm the type of designer or person that like, I can't, if I know I messed up, like I have to take ownership of that. And, you know, people are paying me for a service that, you know, needs to be top notch. So it's not like I'm going to just like replace anything that, you know, was not my fault. But if I did something wrong, like I'm not going to go ahead and try to shift the blame on someone else so I can get out of it. So that's a lot of, that's a lot more money out of my pocket. And I wanted to make sure that I had all my ducks in a row and that I really knew, you know, what it kind of entails to do those type of renovations. And obviously starting smaller, I mean, we started with like a little bathroom reno and I've, I've had really great contractors, you know, for the most part. And so, um, okay. <laughs> sorry. I don't know. It's all good. All that so guys, to the listeners, we might get a periodic beep here or there, no, but we're not even going to worry about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was definitely hesitant for sure. So, okay. First of all, I want to touch on the fact that thank you for sharing the fact that you have a couch sitting in your, in your garage, because it's like, it happens to the best of us. And that's, that's reassuring to hear that it was a big face palm moment. It was like, oh my God, the sofa came in wrong. And it was just like the chaise was on the wrong side. Oh, like how yeah. freaking like amateur is that, you know? <laughs> and I'm going, oh my God, she, you know, I'm trying to find the email of like, I need to make sure that I sent her the wrong, the wrong, the right information, you know? Cause in my mind, I was like, so careful. I looked over it and over and over. Sure enough, I read that email. I'm like, 
damn it. That's not my fault. <laughs> I know. I, it's, that happened recently. I mean, not extreme like a sofa, but I, um, I was getting the draperies installed at my client's house and everything was great, cool. I leave and I'm looking at the pictures I took and like the video and I was like, there is too much light shining through those drapes. It was bedrooms and they were supposed to be blackout. I was like, mm, that doesn't look right. So I, so I drove back to her house and I went and looked and I was like, frig, this is definitely not blackout. I go, same deal, right? You're like, I know I didn't do this wrong. And I'm like, yeah. well, you know what? I think I requested blackout, but they quoted me not blackout. So it's still on me because I should have caught yeah. it in the quote. Yeah. Anyways, that was a stupid mistake too. Face palm also, but um, that's really reassuring to hear. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay. So <laughs> you, you, what was your own personal experience? Did you have your own personal experience with renovations or did you not even have that? Well, before I even really started the business, my parents went through, they sold our childhood home and they had a rental smaller, they, they downsized and, um, the rental, they did like a full gut job on it. So that was my first taste into okay. like, really doing something. And, and my dad did a lot of the work. And so I was really hands-on with seeing how things were done and why they were doing it a certain way and like what the steps were and, you know, helped my mom pick out everything. And, um, that was really like what got me being like, wow, this is really fun and super satisfying to see like what's in your head, you know, come out into real life. Mm-hmm. So that was like my first taste. Um, and then, I mean, I consider that kind of like my first project, but I wasn't really in business at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was like my first taste. And then I did like a bunch of furnishing jobs and it started off with like a fireplace remodel that a client wanted to do. And yeah. so I felt like I got a little bit more confidence doing that. And then I got a bathroom remodel where we were like ripping out everything and adding a shower and like, you know, I mean that bathroom gets like so much good response on Instagram and on Pinterest too. It's like one of my top like reposted things, but that was like my first real kind of remodel job. And so it was nice because I felt like, I think that if I would have had somebody come to me and say, Hey, I have a full remodel that I want you to do. I don't know if I would feel confident enough to say, sure, let me do that. You know, yeah. um, I, that's definitely, I mean, I, I probably would have totally taken the yeah, job, but you would have been scared yeah. more. Scared. I would have been scared shitless, like yeah. completely scared. And you know, there, I, I didn't understand the dynamics of plumbing fixtures and what, you know, what really needed to happen, but what really made the difference is that I found a contractor who taught me things. So as we were doing a, a fireplace remodel and as we were doing this, he was telling me, no, you can't do that because of this. Or we take out, we do plumbing first and then electrical because of this. So I, I had a contractor working with me, not against me. And some contractors work against designers, you know? So I feel like that was super, super helpful in me feeling like, okay, I've got this. And if I don't got this, I have a really good contractor who knows what he's doing and can help me not look like an idiot to my client. <laughs> and okay. So first of all, like, did you just approach that contractor like straight up and say, you know what, here's the deal. I haven't done a lot of this stuff. So this is a bit of a learning curve. So I'm going to ask you some more questions that you might feel like to me, I'm always like, Oh God, I don't want the contractor to be like, what the hell? Why doesn't she know that she's a designer, you know, but did you just, were you just totally honest? And you said, look, I don't totally know all this. I haven't done any of this. So I might ask you some questions that you might think is stupid, but it's cause I'm trying to learn this. So yeah, how did you approach it so that it just, you didn't, you know, that they were understanding and, and knew where you were coming from? Well, I was really fortunate. My very first ever like real pain client, um, her dad was the contractor, not on the job we were doing, but she, at the, at the time that I had first started, we were doing her house and we were doing the fireplace remodel and my handyman was doing the fireplace job. Yep. And she had kind of mentioned like, Oh yeah, my dad is a contractor. Blah, blah, blah. And I was always like, well, why aren't we having your dad do this? You know? Yeah. But I think he, at that point was transitioning out of a big corporate contracting firm into doing his own thing. And so he wasn't quite set up yet. 
So fast forward, like, I don't even know however many more months, like I have been working with her and her family doing their home and her husband's office for over the last like two years. Oh, wow. And they're awesome. So she finally, I don't know, I can't even remember when, but it's been at least about two years or a year and a half now that I've been working with them. She's like, yeah, my dad has a contract and you should, you should hit him up, blah, blah, blah. And then, so I finally did. And I told him he has like 30 plus years experience in the industry. And I basically just said, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with this, but I'm learning every day and I want to learn from you. And I have a general idea and, you know, I'm not a contractor and I'm not trying to pretend to be a contractor with my clients. I'm very upfront with, you know, yeah, I can help you pick out finishes and I can do, um, you know, I can kind of help you place things and kind of rework the room. But as far as um, needing to know if the ceiling can be this high or if this wall can be taken out or whatever, like I needed to have a contractor involved. Yeah. Now I can obviously speak to a lot of things without him there just because I know, but Mm -hmm. I was very honest with him just saying, I want to give you work and I want to work together with you. Um, but I need to learn a lot, you know? So there's going to be times where I'm asking you, can we do this? But I think now we have, we have pushed each other. So he pushes me, him and his, or his team pushes me to try to learn more and try to, you know, I, I guess that together because we kind of started, you know, he started his own business and I was at my own business. We started together really trying to understand like what's going to work best with each other. So, um, and I've pushed them design wise, you know, they have said like, you've pushed us to do something, some things that we would never do if a client didn't have you on board, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice that we are able to help each other out that way. Um, he's been a godsend. Like it has completely, I don't know if I would want to do the big remodels without them. And there's sometimes now that they don't, I, I get on a job where, you know, the con- that they already have a contractor and always it never works out that great because um, now I have such a high level of like this expectation of work and detail. I mean, they're really good workers too. And they're yeah. really good. They're just, they cop up to anything that they do wrong. You That's know, good, yeah. Not a lot of contractors do that. And so when I have worked with other contractors from other jobs, it's been okay. And we've, and we've gotten through it, but there's a, bigger learning curve. And sometimes the clients pay for that, you know, in mistakes that the contractors make or whatever. I always tell people, if you don't have a contractor, it's always best whoever the designer is or contractor is, if they have someone that they exclusively work with, it's always good to meet with them too. Because the dynamic of me and my contractors is much better than the dynamic of somebody I don't know. I don't know how they work and you know, I have a really, really, like, I'm very much a detailed person. And some of these subcontractors and contractors yeah. aren't. And so, oh, I'm so sorry about these beats. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so. I mean, it makes so much it sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Because it's like anything, really, right? Like, you start working with a specific wallpaper installer. Like, it only makes sense to keep working with the same one. They, you either continue working yeah. with a wallpaper installer because they have met a level of service that you think is acceptable and it becomes easy to work with them. So, I mean, it makes so much sense that that would apply to a contractor too. So yeah. when you think back to those first projects where you did your first like bathroom um, or whatever other early on, you might not have known exactly how many hours something like that would take you at that point, right? So how did you approach that with your client for, you know, giving them context on what that might the cost? The first for bathroom I did, I think I charged her like $5,000 to do it. Okay. And in your experience, like, was that low or high? It was... Probably not high. I think <laughs> at the time when, you know, because everything took me like so much longer to do... So it definitely probably came out to be about even, I mean, actually I don't want to say just the bathroom. We did a bunch of other stuff. So we did the bathroom and then we did design for a bathroom 
her master bathroom and like some carpet, but we never, they never decided to move forward with their master bathroom because the price of the bathroom we were doing downstairs came in much higher than they were expecting. And they wanted to do that first. Got it. So we did some other stuff. So like the whole total thing was like $5,000, I think from what I remember. And it was about even to maybe me losing a tiny bit just because of the hours, you know? So Mm -hmm. there were so many site visits and so much double checking and, you know, Now I don't necessarily like, we'd still do site visits, but I don't need to be there every single time, you know, something happens. Yeah. Um, And the design takes a lot faster now because at that time too, like I didn't have a sample library. So I was like going out to every tile shop and getting all of my materials ready. So that probably took the longest time too. Um, so That's yeah, I think it was kind of probably a wash, but it, it was okay because I was really happy with the work. Yeah. Let's talk about your sample library. So what does that look like? Do you just have a couple, like a bunch of, you know, okay, if I'm going to do a subway tile, I have a tile that I would recommend. What is, what is your sample library look like for tile when, you know, projects can vary so dramatically? Oh gosh, I wish I could show you. But um, so right now we're in the middle. I, you know, in part one, we were talking about um, the accessories that we have, that we yes. buy, things like that. We're now, we're kind of, we're transitioning. Since part one, I've added a new, I think two new team members. And we were using my garage as kind of this like holding for all the accessories and things like that. Well, we're moving actually on Monday, everything out. Great. Um, to a big storage unit that we're going to kind of use as our warehouse now. Awesome. Um, and then we're going to be using all the racks that I have in the garage as our sample library, because right now we're like overflowing with the amount of tile that we have and hardware and flooring samples and paint samples and wallpaper samples and fabric samples that like, I literally turned my linen closet into a sample library closet. And even that is like just not even enough. So We have bins and bins of subway tile, mosaic tile, field tile, flooring samples, um, you know, ceramic tile, cement tile. So we're always trying to have enough samples here. You have to remember, I live in Thousand Oaks, which is about maybe to an hour outside of L.A., I would say 45 minutes outside of the design center, outside of all the areas where like the big showrooms are to like, just go in and see something. So it, we really try to have enough stuff to at least get us through like the first round of like either inspiration or kind of being able to piece some things together to, to kind of like get us onto the road that we want to go on with the design. From there, then we can say, okay, like, let's say we're doing a bathroom and we have the flooring here that we know we want to do. And we, ha- we know we want to do a subway tile, but doesn't want to be white. And we can go through our samples and maybe pick like a gray color, but we don't want it so flat. Then we can go, okay, now we need to go out and source a subway tile that has a little bit more movement or have more color, or maybe it's a darker gray than what we have in our current library. And then we go out and source that. So it's not like we're sourcing major material for each project that we're doing now, because we're able to just pull from our own sample library. And so it's growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, with that though, is constant, um, constant kind of organizing and making sure that the stuff that we have, we still like, and that it's still available. So it is more, I guess, office work that I'm not billing to clients, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it makes it so much easier because then I don't have to waste a whole half of a day going down into LA looking for like a gray subway tile. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, okay. You were talking about like, th- this is maybe specific to your process. I don't know if you can talk about this because um, of what, you, what you're doing later today. But um, you, you then show, do you kind of show up? Okay, you do your consultation and then you're going to move forward. 
Do you then maybe just directionally pull some of your own samples is what you're saying to help guide and say like, okay, this might not be it, but directionally, you know, subway tile and it, and it helps kind of buy it in early on. So you don't go too deep. Is that what you mean? Like, what does that look like? What I mean is, okay, so if we're doing, um, you know, we book the client, our first meeting with them is to talk, you know, I give them some design homework, right? So mm-hmm. we set up the interest page, I have them start pinning everything and putting comments and what they want to see for the space, what they like, what they need, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then during our inspiration meeting is when um, our team comes out and we take our before photos and we do all of our measurements of the space and we go over their Pinterest page with them. So we talk about what is it that you like in this picture? If I notice that she pinned, you know, five different white kitchens, I'm going to ask her, do you want a white kitchen? What do you want? Do you want the counters to be white, the cabinets to be white, like the walls to be white, or do we want just white cabinets? You know, so I try to get really into detail about what the client wants first and then try to shift that. So like I'm really over all white kitchens right now. And I think that they're completely timeless and classic, but I am just wanting a little bit more creative. Right. So I have a client that's like, I want an all white kitchen. So I try to go, okay, What's going to make her happy? We'll do the walls white in the upper cabinets or the perimeter cabinets white, but let's try to push her out of her element in the island and do a different color countertop or a different color cabinetry or whatever. So at that point, knowing kind of what our client wants, we go back and then myself and the design team will kind of make our own Pinterest board based off what she would. We kind of take the images that we talked about during that inspiration meeting with the client And we take those and put them in our own Pinterest um, page or board for her that is just shared within the team. Mm -hmm. And then we start adding in our own images of kind of, okay, she wants the white kitchen, but this is kind of what I want to do to push her a little bit to not have everything be white, right? And then from there, once we feel like we have a good page that we're like looking at everything, they're like, okay, this looks really cohesive and we're on the right track. Then we take those Sometimes we print them out. Sometimes we just have our, uh, you know, iPad Pro out so we can kind of refer back to that as we are like really designing and actually picking out the, the actual materials and product. So we'll take that, <coughs> excuse me, and we'll start pulling samples from that kind of Pinterest board. Mm-hmm. So then we'll say, okay, let's find a, a, a countertop that is white for the perimeter, and then let's find a darker one that will go for the countertop, and then. Let's find a paint color that will work with that and hardware. And we try to have everything, you know, laid out so that when we do the design presentation, we're actually presenting the exact items that we are proposing for them. So we never kind of go into the client's house and be like, okay, well, here's where we're going to start. And these are kind of some of the things that we're thinking about, but it might not be this exact stuff. That just gets really confusing for the client, I feel like. So... Um, I usually don't do that. I usually do the inspiration meeting and then like, I'm not really seeing them for a couple of weeks until we do the design meeting. And then the first design meeting, we revise it. And if I feel like after the second design meeting, if they're still not loving anything, that's when I'll maybe suggest, Hey, why don't we go to a tile store together? So you can start pulling the things that you really like. So it gives me a better idea. Mm -hmm. And then if we decide that we, you know, like something at that tile store, we might just go with that. Or if she's like, I like this, this is on the, more on the page that I like, but I don't necessarily like this tile, then we can take that and run with it and go, okay, let's source something that's like this, but different. And, and, you know, we kind of go from there. Um, But I feel like that really helps the clients because the more, you know, the more options you give them, the, the, the crazier the client gets. I feel. Totally. So <laughs> yeah. do you ever, do you ever have clients like early on when you said, um, you, you know, you give them their, their design homework and then you go over their Pinterest board with them and you're, and you start saying like, okay, like, are you hoping to have a white kitchen? Like, do you want white kitchen, white counters? And are they ever like, well, I don't know. That's why I hired you. Cause I've had people say that. And yeah. like, how do you respond yeah, to that? For sure. For sure. I mean, I think though, when you are talking about remodels, for the most part, they generally have an idea of at least a color scheme that they want, Mm -hmm. right? Or they have, they know like, hey, I don't really know what I want to do, but I know I want to be safe in the design, 
Like when they tell me I want it to be classic and last 20 years, it's like, okay, I know we're not going to be putting like crazy cement tile in here because they, you know, are scared to probably do that. Yeah. Um, So what I try to do is then try to design at least, or what I'll, what I'll do if they're like very, I've never, I I haven't really had that come up yet. For the most part, my clients kind of have an idea of what they want and it evolves with our participation in it. But what I would say is if I did have somebody that came in and was just like, I have no idea what I want to do with my kitchen. What, what I would do is, um, you know, and during that inspiration meeting, my team is like, we stay in the house for, you know, an hour or so, like really just like staring at walls. And I try to tell the client, like, let us have our space in whatever we're doing in the kitchen, in the bathroom, whatever. So we can really try to like visualize what we want to do with it. So like, I'm literally just staring at a wall or staring at the kitchen, trying to be like, okay, what can I see here? So if they don't have an idea, I'm trying to put an idea in my head of if this were my house, you know, their lifestyle is, you know, like at that point, I know what kids they have, what ages they are, what their lifestyle is like. I know if they're entertaining or not, because I've asked all those questions before. Yeah. So I can start designing in my head, like, this is kind of what I would like to see if I lived here. Yeah. And I present that as an idea before I actually do the design and see what they say about that. Or that's what I would, you know, that's what I would do. And I've done something like that before, but for the most part, they've had an idea. Yeah. Um, but then I would just see kind of what they say about it. So if they're like, nah, I don't like that. You can kind of evolve it from there. Or like, yeah, I think that's a great idea, but I want to play it safe with colors or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's really important as designers that we push people a little bit out of their safe zones. Yeah, um, I they agree. Feel like it, they're, if they weren't willing to be a little bit risky, they wouldn't have hired a designer. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody can really put a white kitchen together. Anybody can go to a tile shop and pick out white counters, white cabinets, some hardware, and an, a subway tile. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That really isn't that hard. What's hard is like pulling it all together and all the details and making it a little bit different from what you've seen. And I think that people who hire designers are hoping for that. And if they don't know how to achieve that, or they say, well, I don't have, you know, an idea or I want it to be really timeless. Like they want it to be that way, but they're willing to go a little bit further. Yeah. Do something a little bit different. Yeah. So do you find that, um, do you, are your consultations different for a uh, renovation versus if it's furnishing only? And what, what does that look like? For the most part? No. I mean, they're, they're very similar during the consultation. We are really just, whether it's furnishing or remodel, we're going through each space and really just talking about what they need to do, what they want to do, um, and what needs to function. Um, whether that's, furniture placement. And, you know, we're asking them the same questions about their lifestyle. Do you have kids? Do you have pets? Do you entertain? Do you, you know, have young children? Do you have grandchildren? Do you spend a lot of time in this room? Um, so we're asking the same questions and, you know, we might get into a little bit more detail if it's a remodel job, because they're probably asking me a little bit more questions as far as like, I really want to take this wall out. And I'm like, well, we need to make sure we can do that. You know, you just decide you want to do that. And, um, sometimes in the beginning, I was taking my contractor with me to those consultations, but I have since not really brought on my contractor until I have booked the client because, I feel like, you know, I was charging and I still am charging for my consultation, but my contractor doesn't. So I don't want to bring him out and waste his time if I don't know if I'm going to be working with that client. Right. So now what I'll say is I'll make note of the things and I will take pictures during the consultation. So I'll say like, I can, you know, send this to my contractor and see what he thinks just based off the pictures of my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I don't bring the contractor now until we're doing the inspiration meeting. So when we're doing the inspiration meeting is when I'll do like the trade day as well for remodels and we'll bring in a contractor or, or a painter or whatever to get quotes and bids and to kind of see like what it is, like the whole scope, you know. And then my contractor, what I really love about them is they will not give them an accurate bid until after we do the design. Right. So, They will not give them any sort of quote. They might say like, if my client's like, well, I have $50,000 for, 
you know, or let's say, let's do it the other way. Let's say my client's like, well, we have $20,000 for this kitchen. The client, the contractor and myself will be like, that is not enough. Like we need to have a realistic number. If they say we have $50,000, we can say, okay, well, that is going to probably be still a little bit low. I mean, this is obviously depending on the size of the kitchen, yep. you know, right? But, um, you know, we can work with that. And then as we design, knowing that this is their budget, you know, as we're designing things, we know, okay, maybe we're not going to do custom cabinetry. Maybe we're just going to reface the cabinets. Maybe we will, you know, reuse the hardware that they have or whatever it may be. And then after the design gets approved, we will get the contractor in the house with us and we'll go over, we'll walk through each space, telling them. And at that point, the contractor has our elevations, they have our floor plans, they have the design boards. So they can really bid out the project with a correct number. Yeah. And I think that is super important with the clients because I just I just know how pissed I would be if yeah. like, oh yeah, we can do this for twenty thousand and then like it's forty thousand. Yeah. I mean I'm sure you know you're going through this the thing right now. It's always gonna be more no matter what. But I'd rather it be like five thousand dollars difference. Yeah. Not like not a hundred percent more. You know, yeah. And I feel like sometimes contractors will say that just to get the job just like designers will say that too just to get a job like yeah "Yeah, I can I can do that probably for five thousand dollars design your whole kitchen and do all the site visits and all this and I'm just like oh my god that's not that's not gonna happen yeah Um, totally I'm the same way too like I and I tell clients generally like if anything I err on the side of caution and overestimate because I I would always rather come in under of what I expected. And it's scary. It's, it's a scary thing because knowing that a lot of people do that, they probably like, if you're not the type of person who does that, but people assume that's what's happening and you're giving that realistic number and they're just thinking it's going to be way more then it can be problematic to getting a project too. Right. Because they don't understand that proposals are super important to get those right. Spend time on your proposals after the consult. So after our consultations, we send them a really in-depth proposal for our hours and a realistic budget, whether that be, it's much easier for us to do that for furniture for remodels. I can try to give a realistic budget for what we would be in charge of. So that's like material costs. Not necessary. And I make that very, very clear. This proposal that you are getting is for our hours and they're big numbers. So I will list out, okay, bathroom is going to be 20 hours. What does that 20 hours entail? That entails us pulling, you know, doing the Pinterest, getting together a first preliminary design plan, sourcing from our own stuff, then spending maybe a day sourcing, you know, other things, and then doing one design meeting and then doing revisions and then doing floor plans and elevations. And I always tell them this number can change going lower or higher, depending on a couple of things. We can lower this number number by you doing your homework and giving me enough inspiration and enough ideas of what you like so that it makes it easier that I know the clear path that we're heading into. Yeah. And however many revisions, do you need to see every little detail and sit on it for a week? And do you want to see five different options? You know, I usually bring in two options, sometimes three, but not for everything. Mm-hmm. So I might have three backsplashes that I love, but the countertop is the countertop and the cabinet color is the cabinet color. And I might say, you have these three options. More than likely when I do that, it takes way longer for my yeah. client to make a decision. So I try to limit that to two. Yeah. The two options. Thanks. So I tell them in the beginning, this number is an estimate and you can really be in charge of whether that number goes higher or lower, you know? Yep. Um, and then for material costs too, I go, this is kind of, I just say like, this is an average number at this point. I know where they like to shop retail wise. Yeah they're comfortable with, I'd ask them, do you want to spend more money on really awesome plumbing fixtures? Or do you want to spend more money in tile? Or do you want just to not spend a lot of money on and like all of it be middle road? And like, you know, this is not your forever home. So you don't want anything that's like, you know, we can make it look good, but nothing's going to be super expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that way when we're putting a material proposal together, we kind of have an idea and we just say this, this is an estimate. Like 
prices change. So if we have done this, you know, in the consultation phase and we, you know, let's say that things have gotten pushed back. And by the time we're going to purchase things, it's six months later for doing yeah. like a huge remodel, you know, after we're waiting for permits and, or all this stuff where they're taking their time waiting, going, I don't know if I like it. And then months have gone by and it's not available. Well, then guess what? Now you're paying more time for me to resource that item. Yeah. You know, so I, I put that out kind of all in the beginning. To let to get them the consultation, would it? Yeah, yeah, after the consultation, when I get them, the, give them the proposal, and I list out every single thing. So when we're doing, let's say, a furniture estimate, or not furniture, a material estimate for a bathroom, and let's say it's, I don't know, fifteen thousand dollars, which is high, but let's say it's fifteen thousand dollars. I'm going to list out what that includes, and I will list out the number. So it will be the square footage amount, you know, for the most part, we can kind of guesstimate that, yeah. you know, kind of have an idea of what we're doing. So I can say it could be this amount of square footage for floor tile, this amount of square footage for wall tile, this amount for plumbing, or, I mean, I don't really break it price down for that, but I, I list it in the, in our description of that. So it's just going to be like, Oh, I see. dollars like a total number. But then in the description, I, so they know what that, like, does that include plumbing? So I list yeah. like hardware, plumbing, floor tile, wall tile, um, mirrors, lighting, um, towel hooks, artwork yeah. for above toilet, yeah. you know, like um, yeah. hooks for behind door or yeah. whatever, you know, new towels. If they say we want new towels and I put accessories in there. Yeah. So it's not broken up by number that way, but at least I have listed what that $15,000 is going to be for. Yeah. And that's good too. Cause if you, you know, you could still like, you know, maybe I end up spending less mentally on one thing and you can invest right. a little more. So you're still within the budget right. without have quantifying it per item. Right. So when you, okay, let's say you're doing like a whole main floor for somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's bathroom, kitchen, living room, including a renovation and you're going to be furnishing for them. When you're doing that initial presentation, are you presenting to them everything related to the renovation and also all of the furnishings? Um, I've done it both ways. And what I really try to do is I try to gauge what is going to be best for my client. So if I have been working with someone and I can see that they get very overwhelmed when we're talking about a lot of things, I'm not going to do a presentation like that because it's going to be way too overwhelming. For the most part, I think it's, it's really overwhelming for anybody to be, I mean, that could be a five hour meeting, you know, exactly. depending on the size of things and the detail and all of that. What I like to do is I personally like to do it in phases. So I say, we're going to do all of the hard materials and the remodel stuff first. And then we're going to move on to furnishings once that is approved. Because also I don't want to spend extra time. So let's say they, they go, we want to see it all together so we can get a whole big picture. What I'm going to tell them is that, listen, that's fine. And we can do that. But as we are designing the furniture, we're designing the furniture based off of what we're doing, the remodel stuff. Right. So like if we're picking a, you know, patterned tile for a fireplace that is like green and blue, then we're going to be pulling those colors and the rugs and the pillows and the sofa. Like we're making all of our decision on the furniture based off of that tile or the colors it's going to be in the materials in that room. So let's say you hate that that fireplace tile and you're like no I don't want that that might change all of the furniture that we put in there for it so I just warn them saying if you don't like one thing or you want to change something that drastically changes the look of the room then that might be more hours that we're going in to fix the furniture you know so I would say if you can if you you know we can wait let's do phase one and do all the remodel hard finishes hard materials all of that and then once that is approved, we'll move quickly right away into the furniture of it so that also you can like handle that, you know, in your brain. Totally. But Even me as a designer, it can be intense. Like it's, it's a lot. intense. And then just remembering like, okay, I need all these samples. I need these, you know, this material, this and this and this. But what I will say is, let's say we're doing a living room. Um, I might bring in 
a couple swatches to show them like if we did this really crazy colorful tile here this is kind of what the sofa color might be mm-hmm. so that they can kind of see where I'm trying to go with the whole thing yeah. or I'll put together like a big inspiration board of furniture too so they can see like if you like this design this is kind of where I want to go with furniture wise because it can take me an hour to throw some Pinterest images and do a like an inspiration page yeah um, but it's going to take me like 10, 15 hours to do the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And I much rather not waste that client's money and time um, and do it in phases. So I let's t- like, can we talk about electrical then? So there's some things that are dependent on like the final selection. So for example, I know that I'm going to have wall sconces beside the bed, but I also might not totally know like if you were thinking of going that route and you want to make sure while the renovation's happening that the electrical work is done appropriately, you do have to do a bit of planning. So would you, like, how would you approach something like that? So with that, so what we would do is yes, with the, like if we're building a whole house, remodeling a whole house and we are putting in sconces where there's going to be furniture placement then we will design that furniture placement. But the thing is is that if you're putting sconces beside a bed, you can allow, you know, you can say, okay, they have a king size bed and then we're going to allow six to whatever, eight inches or 10 inches on either side of that. And then we'll place the wall sconce. And then we will, you know, try to figure out, we might maybe pick out the bed and the dressers at that point. So we can say, this is where the sconce should be. Um, there have been plenty of times where, for instance, I had, this was one of the times that I did not work with my contractor and we were doing, you know, they, they had brought us in after they had the contractor and she just couldn't handle the, doing the design on their own. So they, she brought us in, it was full house and in the master bathroom, we were figuring out, I was like, I was telling the contractor, like, hey, we should figure out lighting placements right now for above the mirror. And they had original, like they they had kept the original um, lighting. Not the original lighting, but they kept the, the boxes there. And he's like, well, don't worry. We can move it around. You know, it's very easy to move it around. And I'm thinking, so yeah, you're like, is it? I'm like, I don't, I don't think it is that easy to move around. And he was like, no, we can move it around. My client was there and I was just like, I'm not going to fight with this contractor in front of my client. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the first times that we were all together. And so I didn't want to be like the headache. Now looking back, I wish I really would have stood up and said something. Um, it all ended up working out. But what happens is that when we designed we designed and I told him, I said, more than likely we are taking the tile that's in the shower because the shower and the vanity were on the same wall. Okay. I said, we're going to take that tile that's in the shower and we're going to put it across the whole wall. Yeah. It's going to go above the vanity. I go, so I really need to know where, where those lights are going to be so that you're not cutting tile, you know? Yeah. He just was like, no, no, no. And he never did it. And sure enough, what happened is that we pick out lighting and because of where it was placed, it didn't have enough room from to the ceiling. Like the sconces were hitting the ceiling because they were too high. They needed, yeah. and they were centered to the effing mirror. Yeah. So I had the two mirrors that I bought. I was like, I can't, I can't do this mirror. We had to do like a custom mirror then. And then the, the lights weren't even centered. And at that point, it was too late. So now she has a bathroom, which, you know, she's like, well, I don't care. It doesn't really bother me. But I'm like, well, it would bother the hell out of me. Yeah. And because and the contractor just... Because the contractor was lazy and didn't want to, and didn't want to change it. Like, Let's talk um, about that. Let's talk about how often do you find... Like stuff like that, for example, because there's so many things that are out of, what I love about furnishing is like, I am mostly in control of things. And yes, like if something goes wrong, like you said, you can undo it. 
like it might be at my cost, but it's, it's not like, well, it's, there's nothing we can do. For example, yesterday we had our AC unit installed on the wall and he told me it needed, I was like, can we make it higher? It's like a wall unit because we have an old house, radiators, like whatever. And and the guy w- was like, well, no, because you need to flip the thing and access the top. And it's too low. Like, it's a little bit too low. And I was so stressed. I'm like, well, like, I'm very dis- There's a hole from the inside of my house to the outside. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, and I'm like, thank God it wasn't on our main floor. We're doing our main floor one um, once a cabinet's put in. Because I'd have been furious if that had happened on our main floor not in our basement where dave hangs out mostly but like stuff like that how often do you feel like you're dealing with that i guess probably not as often with your contractor but when you're working with other clients and how do you work your way through it without just having a panic attack (laughs) okay so let me say this 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 particular job that i was talking about bathroom in the end the bathroom is still absolutely gorgeous right No one looking at, like, we still haven't even photographed it, but when we do and I show the images, no one is going to say anything because yeah. no one will know, right? Yeah. I will know that that mirror should have been two mirrors and that the light should have been centered, but it's, it's not the end of the deal, especially if my client is cool with it, you know, and it still looks really good. So I'm always kind of, kind of defer to the client's attitude. Luckily, my client on this job is kick-ass woman, and she did not take any. She she really handled the contractor because he was good. He just did not pay attention to the details. So, like in the kids' bathroom, we had to initially. Um, initially, we wanted to do. Or no, in the master bathroom, there was a couple of things with the tile. So initially in the master bathroom on the floor, I wanted to do kind of like a, a crosshatch pattern. Is that what it's called? A crosshatch where it's like you kind of butt up and it's it's kind of like a herringbone, but not really. I don't, I don't know the correct terms, but I wanted to do that. And the, and the contractor was like, that's, that's too hard to cut and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just feel like it really could have been done if his tiler was really good or he felt confident in his worker or whatever, but he said, no, it really can't be done. And, and we were under a time crunch. My, my client was pregnant. They wanted to be moved in. And so it was very much of like, you know, we kept the same tile. We just did it as the 12 by 24 and kept it in a brick layout. And to me, it still looks beautiful. Anybody yeah. can look at the bathroom and be like, that is absolutely gorgeous. But it was just a small little design detail that I would have liked to see selfishly, yep. you know, my design that I had to alter because he felt he couldn't do the job. And then in the kids' bathroom, um, the original tile, I can't remember what we originally wanted to do, but the tile guy, like, I think grouted it the wrong color. Most. And we did spec sheets of that we hand to our contractors, right? So like for each room, there is information of the paint color, the grout color, the tile, the size, the elevation drawing of how it's going to be laid out. We put that on the wall in each room. We give it to the contractor, we give it to the client, and we have a copy. Yeah, like it can't get tell much me, clearer. Tell me, tell me how many mistakes can possibly be made when you give that much information, right? Yeah. You're hoping zero. No. So we were still getting emails, you know, saying, well, what's the grout calling this and that? And I had to say, please look at the spec sheet, you know, um, the tile, you know, thankfully my client is awesome. And she was like, no, this is not acceptable. We can't do that. And the contractor did fix it. I think three times to the liking and it looks beautiful. I think in those situations, you have to kind of see how your client's going to handle it. Um, sometimes I would say more than likely the client is going to come to you to handle it where my client for that particular job is an amazing businesswoman herself. So she handled it just so, so well. There were things that happened. Um, perfect example. We were installing wallpaper, this amazing wallpaper, um, in her powder room, which is very, very small, yeah. very small, like a closet. And she has amazing style and taste. And she's like, I want to do this awesome wallpaper. We found this Mylar below fish 
big blowfish. It was like aqua with like gold blowfish, you know, like you hear this sounds really ugly, but it was, I feel like I might know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's from a really well-known company that I'm sure everyone knows and I'm blanking on the name. Um, I'll think about it, but we sent all the information to my wallpaper. So she said, I have this wallpaper guy, but he's like, you know, really old. He like barely speaks English and like, we can get him, you know, but I'm like, well, I feel a little uneasy. This is, you know, I have a great wallpaper guy. He'll come out and do it all. My wallpaper guy comes out and just botches. Oh, shoot. Like botches it. She's like, he, there's scratches on it. I mean, and meanwhile, let me tell you this wallpaper for this tiny little bathroom that like you can barely fit in when you close the door was like $2,000. Yeah. It is expensive. And, um, he just botched it. He was, I, I feel like he was lazy with it. He didn't cut it. Like he opened it up and like noticed that there were scratches, but then didn't want to tell us. And we kind of looked at it, but we didn't want to open it all the way because yeah. we were like, you know, now knowing all of this, I open up the wallpaper or I'm there with the wallpaper. We have a new wallpaper installer who I love, love, love. Um, but now I know, okay, we have to look at everything and we have to make sure that, you know, I send the wall, I sent the wallpaper guy the link to it and everything. And he's like, well, if I knew that this was Mylar, I would have not done it because it's not going to stick to the walls. And I go, what do you mean? If you knew I sent you the link, Yeah, like you just didn't read that it was my, yeah. you know, like, I don't know what to say. You don't know what you don't know. Like you, as a, an installer, <laughs> yeah. you should do your own diligence yeah. to understand but, what you're dealing with. Exactly. But here's the thing that sucks is like, you know, the seams were awful. I mean, it was Ugh. just a mess. And both me and my client were like crying on the inside because we love this wallpaper so much. And yes, I would say 25% of it not working is because of the actual wallpaper and it being a really old house. Yeah. And so the, the, the corners are curved. And so it is going to be really hard to have them completely line up and the walls are old. And so, you know, it's plaster. It's just all these different things. But because it was a tradesperson that I brought in and I said, no, let's not use your guy. And let me bring in my amazing tradesperson. Yeah. Up your powder room. Guess what? In two weeks, I'm going with her to pick out new wallpaper and I'm paying for that to yeah. get into her powder bathroom because I feel a responsibility to do so. You know, same and exact I, thing happened to me, by the way, exact same thing. It's the worst. And then I thought, I'll remove it myself. I I was like, I'm going to remove it myself, save myself a couple bucks. It just made it worse. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. It's the worst. And she is so understanding. And she's like, it's not your fault. Like, like, I know. But she's also like, but I paid for this. And I went with your guy. And I totally understand. I'm like, you know what? You are absolutely right. I will take care of this. And here's the lesson learned is that, yeah, it's going to cost me 2000 probably a little bit more to install it. You know, this and that. It's not going to be what both her and I were really envisioning for the space, but it's going to look beautiful. She's going to be super happy. And at the end of the day, she really respects how I handle that. And oh. she still refers to new clients. And I am much happier that it, it worked out this way on a small little powder room rather than me continuing to work with this guy and it happened on a much larger room or, you know, a client who is not understanding, it would have been way more hellish. And, and unfortunately, you know, for me, I lost him as a installer, but in the end, I found a really, really great installer who I know, you know, really, really love and who has done amazing work for us. So, um, and I've also learned to just really pay attention Um, I have found that we can only do our job so much, but if you want to be just a little bit extra to your client, you're, you're going to unfortunately have to do the job of other people. And for me, I really pride myself in the customer service that we offer. So it's like, yeah, I can only do so much. I sent him the link. I sent him all the information. I double, triple checked my work, but guess what? I'm still going to do his job. 
And I'm still going to make sure that, you know, when we are there, that we're looking at it together and make sure that there's no damages. I'm going to check in on him multiple times to make sure the seams are lined up. It's going to spend a little, I'll spend a little bit more time on it, but now I know. Yeah. (laughs) Same thing with like the grout, right? It's like, I'm going to come in for a site visit and maybe do a little peek at the grout, make sure it's accurate. Yeah, like like, you wouldn't have to think like, oh, I should come in. Like, yeah, when we, when we're laying tile, we come in to show them, okay, here's the elevation, you know, you know, but here is it physically how we want it laid out. Yep. But we, in the beginning, never really, maybe that's a really rookie mistake on our part. We were just very much of like, you know, here's the grout color. Hope you do it right. Yeah. But now it's very much like we need to see the grout and, and grout does change, you know, like the, the color on the sticks sometimes can be very different to what is actually there. So we now like to try to be there and see like, okay, maybe this is the right grout color, but it's not what we are envisioning. So let's scratch that and do a different grout, you know? Absolutely. That's a great point. And so you charge obviously for those site visits, right? Yeah. And how, like if, if someone's doing a tile installation, how long do you linger? Like what's your threshold for like, like an hour? Yeah. Yeah. So like what we'll do is we'll go there and we'll immediately go talk to our tiler and if our contractor's there and we will lay out the tile, we'll look at the grout, um, we'll kind of go over the grout. Obviously they're not like putting the grout in right there, but um, we'll lay out the tile. And then while they are starting, we will probably go over all the other areas and just double check, like see where we're at with framing or see where we're at with flooring or wherever we're at in the project and other areas. And if the contractor's there, we'll talk about what we need to do and what's going on. Um, If let's say it's like one bathroom and there's nothing else to do. We'll probably linger there for like 30 minutes just to make sure he's good. And I like to see them lay the first few pieces to make sure that the spacing is correct. And the way that they have it is, is just like our elevation drawing. And then yeah. when I feel like, dude, you're good. Then we'll hit the road. Yeah. And we usually we'll either come back like either that day, if they're, if let's say it's like a small area and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll be done by today. We'll usually come back to look at it just to make sure. Or we'll come back like the next day for like, you know, 15 minutes or so just to make sure everything's looking good. And then when they do the grout, we like to be there now to really see the coloring and yeah. make sure that it's, it's looking good. If you have a 15 minute site visit, how do you bill for that? Do you bill a full hour or 15 minutes? No, I bill 15 minutes. I'm not going to be an ass. Um, <laughs> well, good. Cause to me, well, it just depends where they are. We charge for our travel time if it's over 20 miles. So if it's a further out client, we try to make the most of it. So either we will try to hit up some showrooms in that area, or we'll maybe try to hit up another client in that area. So we're not spending half a day just to go check in on something for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're close, um, yeah, I mean, if we're there for five minutes, I'm charging for 15 minutes. So yeah. it's usually 15 minute increments. Um, and for the most part, I would say very rarely are we there for 15 minutes. It's usually at yeah. least a half hour, you know, right. to an hour, so... Well, this feels like, because I know you have somewhere to be, it feels like a, a logical place to kind of end this conversation. Thank you so much for taking that. Awesome. I'm kind of at the stage where I'm really considering working on more renovation projects, but I like, I like the idea of maybe like starting a little smaller. I mean, I have a new build that I'm working on right now. <laughs> it's, it was a lot as a first into the... Uh, it's but been sometimes it's easier to just like go in there. You just have to know that um, you might be losing money on the hours that you spend, or you you might have mistakes that you you know yeah. make along the way. But I will say that those mistakes will be worth it because you're going to learn so much from them. And it will make you just that much better as a, of a designer. You know, I'm part of so many Facebook groups where it's really great for the community to be able to like come in and ask questions and get other kind of designers input and things like that. But what I really can't stand is when designers ask like 
you know, for certain things and I'm like, you should know this where you should just, it should be a trial and error thing. Like, don't try, like you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to just ask somebody else how to do it. You need to really be in there and, and be involved and learn it on your own. Um, it makes you such a better designer and such a better business person too, you know? Totally. So I, even though it was really scary for you to probably do that, you've probably learned so much. Yeah. And it's just going to, even go, going through your own stuff too, you know, I'm sure totally. you're like, oh my, oh my gosh, God. I'm noting that, you know, the air conditioners need to be at this height now, you know. And just and don't take people's word for it. Like open the latch yourself to see how much clearance you need, you know. Yeah, like just, exactly. Like, and it's funny because um, I'm part of a, like, a, I just kind of started this, like there's 10 of us or eight of us today that met as a group and had a little mastermind session for three hours. And one of the designers is in her first year and she was like talking about how she's billing and, and we were like, no, like, you know, you got to be charging more. But then I was like, you know what? Like some of this is some of this, you, you like part of my passion for certain processes and ways of working are passions because of having gone through those mistakes myself. Like nothing makes you more passionate about a process than making a terrible mistake on your own personally like hearing you tell me that it's a mistake not to have a receiver is not as impactful for me to implement a process until I have a terrible experience personally you're asking questions for every single thing in your business yeah how do I do this how do I pick out windows it's like how do I you know what plumbing fixtures are the best? Like, yeah. it's something to say about you going to market and finding those vendors on your own too. Because I have one spent a ton of money doing that and I don't want to just freely give out this information that I have spent a lot of money to get. Mm-hmm. And two, I think that if you are not putting in the time and the money and the energy into finding, whether it just be accessory brands, finding the accessories that you feel are good for you and your brand and your aesthetic and your clients. It's like, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like, like, I'm not going to do your you know, work for I'm you. I'm not going to do your work, but it just, it's just like, you really should, it makes you a better designer when you do it, you know, totally. just, just like, I'm going to be really open about things and share things and share processes and you should try them out, but you should also know that it's not the only way to do things. And if it doesn't work for you, then you need to try something else. Totally. You know, so it's kind of the same concept. Like I will give you like, maybe I'll tell you one accessory brand to look into, but I'm not going to give you my whole list of vendors. There is something to say, and it's so satisfying to be able to be like, you know what? I spent three whole days mm-hmm. busting my ass, walking all over the place, finding these things yeah. to, to build my brand. Yeah. And it gives you a better like understanding of your own aesthetic, your own style, your own so brand. True. And it's really impactful. So it's not, because I'm not saying it because I don't want to give out the information because I've worked for it. It's just going to make you a better person, a better designer, a better business person. Exactly. You've obviously, you've already shared where everybody can follow you, but tell them all again, where to follow you. And, um, you know, so our website is lindsaybrookdesign.com, Instagram, lindsaybrookdesign and Facebook, which we rarely ever post to is (laughs) lindsaybrookdesign. Thank you so much for doing this again. I loved it. Oh God. I can't believe how amazing these podcasts are turning out to be. I feel like these last couple of weeks, last week and these, this week has really made me need to up my ante. Now I feel like I have a level of quality that I need to deliver and it's got me very motivated and I hope that I can get some really amazing guests to be able to continue to give us as amazing of feedback as both Lindsay and Anastasia have given us. So guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, you know the drill. Please leave me a review please leave a five-star review, leave a quick comment, say why you might like the podcast so that people know and they can read a little bit why they might be inclined to bother clicking play. 
Also, if you want to join along my journey, I have a Facebook group. It's called Real Talk Design. I just launched an Instagram profile for Real Talk Design. It was just getting too messy. I couldn't figure out the audience on my regular Facebook group versus, you know, how do I promote the podcast? So go uh, follow the podcast, realtalk.design. And also, I am going to be starting a, a weekly email This weekly email is going to be the shortest and sweetest little email you ever did see. I'm not trying to bombard you with more information, uh, more stuff to read in your week. What I want to do is send you a very quick, something that you can read or bookmark um, and read later. So maybe a link to something that was super valuable to me, an Instagram tip that you can click and read at your leisure, um, and a quote that was so inspirational inspirational to me, maybe something this week that I've been thinking and feeling a new process I'm considering. Again, I'm keeping it short and sweet. Real talk, real short. That's what we're going to call this. And again, it's just a quick something to kind of give you maybe a little bit of extra oomph in your week. And um, you can subscribe to that at michellebinette.com slash real talk. I don't have a website for real talk design yet. Um, but you know, who knows down the line I might, but again, you can go to real talk dot. No, that was a lie. Michellebinette.com slash real talk to get, I'm telling you real talk, real short in, uh, inspiration in your inbox, not trying to make your life more difficult. Anyways, guys, that's all I got. I'm so freaking excited. Next week, I'm going to have another great podcast for you. I cannot believe the consistency that I've had with this. This is probably the one bit of content that I've ever been this consistent with. And now I just, I've like set a high level for myself where I just cannot miss a week. Um, I was talking to Dave, uh, my partner about, you know, how much, you know, do I want to keep going with a podcast? And at this point, I've mentally committed to at least 100 episodes. And at that point, I'm going to decide. So I'm going to give you 100 episodes. And then we're going to see where we're going to go from there. Um, you know, because you just don't know where life's going to take you. And I want to make sure that I'm not just doing this for the sake of doing this, that I'm going to keep doing it because it's helping me, which, you know, selfishly, I created this for myself. Um, but it's also helping you as well. So that is all I got for you this week. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.